welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Hi, welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm here with Clady and Ian, and today we're going to talk about if you regret doing a PhD and what you might do differently if you could um, go back in time, or what advice might you give your younger self? Um, and I think that would be helpful for people who are maybe in the middle of their PhD or towards the end, you know, thinking about what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. So I have some, I will come right out and say I don't regret doing a PhD. I think that it gave me certain skills and um, the confidence to do things. Like I feel like you could pretty much drop me in the middle of any situation. And as long as I had like my iPhone, I could figure out a way to do figure out a way out of it or I could figure <laughs> out a way to do something about it or a bunch of books right yes or a bunch of books yeah that would work as well yeah I agree with that I I don't regret doing a PhD and I think that the benefits uh, all those skills that you get when you have to pursue your PhD you learn to multitask, you deal mm-hmm. with, especially with, if you deal with um, biological research, like lab and bench work, you have to deal with so much of frustration, uh, yes. of uh, failed experiments, and and wanting or not, this is, these are lessons that teach you for life you know that you learn how to deal with those and you get better later on and and besides that all other like time management skills Mm -hmm. you're always doing you always have to do like tons of tasks at the same time learning how to prioritize for yourself like I didn't I never had a boss or somebody who was telling me okay now this is what you're gonna do now you do this now you do that like you're constantly like with time management like you're constantly figuring out like what you need to do next on your own yes that as well although for me it this was more task that I got after my PhD I think that in postdoc Mm -hmm. because I don't think that while I was doing my PhD I had I need I could think for myself (laughs) and And realize what I was doing. So I I think that after I got my PhD was even... I think that... I don't know. For me, graduate school is more... It was more of a painful uh, time. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of deal with all this frustration. You're not really sure what you are doing. And you don't really fully understand. And for me, whenever I graduated and then... Uh, I moved to a postdoc then it was much more enjoyable and and that's Mm -hmm. when I could I think develop more skills like you're saying like 
independence and thinking and time management and all those things. Yeah, I think with me, my API was, he was not like totally hands-off, but he was much more of a like, here is what you, like, here's your end goal, go off and figure out how to do it. So he would kind of, um, like, I, well, after I did my qualifying exam, which was after my second, or during, or the beginning of my third year, I can't remember now, but, like, after I did my qualifying exam, like, I basically knew, like, what I needed to do to graduate, and he was pretty much like, yes, run off and do that, and then if you run into something, you can come and bother me, and ask me, like, ask me for advice, like, I am a resource, but I am not here to tell you what to do. That's great. Yeah, like, I mean, I, my graduate school PI was very supportive, so, like, I had a good, I think, from my perusal around the Twitters and around the internets, it seems like I had a fairly, like I had a unique experience with a very supportive PI. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily regret doing a PhD, but at the same time, I, I mean, you know, it's like for the last part of my PhD, like, you know, I basically didn't have a PhD advisor because like he got denied tenure and was basically job searching for the last year and a half of my PhD. Oh, and um, that was sort of weird and kind of hard. And like, I mean, I got through and like, you know, but it certainly, yeah, that puts, that's a different sort of, I don't know. I mean, it certainly shook my confidence in the system. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, he's, he's always been very supportive, which has been great. Um, and I just, you know, like, I'm getting to the second part of our... He had other priorities, right? Right, he had other things he had to think about. Right, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and it makes complete sense, and I'm fine. Like, I mean, it's not like... I don't blame him at all. Like, I don't... I mean, I'm not angry with him. I just... But it's something, you know, that made it a little bit different for me to be like, okay, well, I guess, you know... It, it didn't necessarily mean that I didn't earn my PhD, but, like... You know, there's always just this weird sense of, oh, yeah, I got rushed out the door Yeah. Um, at the end. I mean, I was almost done anyway by the time he left. But, you know, like I still had to, like, rush to finish a bunch of experiments. And, like, you know, it didn't feel that good to, you know, just feel that rushed to do everything. And, do, you know, not do everything up to, like, you know, the way I may have done it and taking time to learn things and... Um, like, I guess the thing that I regret more, getting to the second part of the question, is just, uh, you know, like, I mean, I am, like, I tend to be more introverted and shy anyway, but, like, you know, I wish I'd found a way to ask more questions and be more open and be, you know, less, you know, like, my own little island, I guess. Yeah, that's something that you were saying, like, it kind of shook your confidence in the system. My PI was right. a full prep full professor tenured had been a full professor for a while by the time I came along I was his 12th graduate student wow. so like okay so yeah. yeah so like and he would I mean he 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 is great like he's still he's still PIing mm -hmm. um <laughs> but like he was fully entrenched in the system so it was just kind of considered well of course like and he also started i think i think he got his first like position 
as an assistant professor like eight late eighties, early nineties. Oh wow. And then he like like he came of like he came of age as a professor like during the NIH doubling period. Okay. So like at least I think that's kind of the timeline. I might be off, but he was like fully entrenched in the system. So he was like, well, of course, if you work hard, you're going to be a PI. And there is like no better job than this. Mm-hmm. So I never thought to look outside of academia when I was in graduate school. Right. Um, and it's not his fault that I, I mean, it's not his fault that I didn't do that. It was just more of like the attitude was like, of course you would stay and do this. Why would you do anything else? Like, yeah, because it was the only thing that he knows as well. You know, it it was the word that he knew. So how can he tell you about something else that is not this word? Right. Exactly. Right. And for me during graduate school, I mean, this was just a discussion that was starting to happen about, you know, like, oh, yeah, there aren't enough jobs for everyone to be a PI, and but that's still the default. And, like, I mean, that discussion was really just reaching graduate students and postdocs, I think, um, you know, in my time. Like, even if people were aware of it, it's just, it, it wasn't, like, a thing that was that openly talked about, I guess. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. not a thing. Uh, it definitely yeah. was not. Well... I I'm I'm a little different as well because I got my PhD in Brazil. So the things in Brazil mm. they are funding, I believe it depends on the funding in Brazil is different from here as well because um although you do have federal federal agencies uh, uh-huh. like uh, that will fund you whatever, you also have state agencies. So, depending if you were on a rich uh, state, like I used to be in Sao Paulo State, that is one of the biggest and more rich places to be. So, there, mm-hmm. then there is a lot of research available. So, everybody wanted to get a job in Sao Paulo State, so then you have the state funding. And then if Got you it. have to go to other states, then all of the other states have kind of fight for the federal funding that was uh, yeah. harder. But still, there is more money in Sao Paulo State, but there are also more universities, more people, more positions. So it was still kind of like you can get it if you want. And for me... Whenever I moved to the U.S., it took me a while to see that even worse, you know, because I was not Mm -hmm. immersed on that before. I didn't get my Ph.D. here. And and I don't know. And now I was uh, thinking about like Ian saying that his P.I. was um, maybe not giving the attention that he thought about, that he thought that he would. Uh, But it made me think about like my PI and my PI was also, um, it was not a, she was not a full professor. I think that she was like a system professor or something like that. She had tenure, but um, she was very politically active uh, on the university wise. And mm. so there were all those committees and people being director and there was 
I don't know if this happens here in the U.S. as well, but I think that probably uh, all those lobbies about what fraction will get elected and blah, blah, blah. So she was very political. And let's see that say that whatever it was uh, election time on the university, I, w I wouldn't hear from her because all she would think and do was more like on the political lobby thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that she will neglect me. Right, but... Usually there were postdocs and others that we would do, but well, I would say that I think that in the in a way, whenever you're getting your PhD, your PI is more like a support, something that yes. someone that is there. But uh, and that's one of the other things that reasons why I don't regret doing my PhD because. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that a PhD is something that you earn. And mm -hmm. even though you have people helping you, you have some sort of support, um, it's impossible for someone to get a PhD just relying on, on others. Mm -hmm. Yes. You need, yes, I completely agree with that. You really right. need to put yourself out. You need to make decisions. You need to mm -hmm. learn how to plan some experiments and, yes. and oh, I don't know, many other things that they can get you like an explanation of how the things work and how things, how can you go, but in a way it's you and yourself and your opinions and what you decide to do mm -hmm. yeah no yeah I, I completely agree i uh, right exactly and i mean i think that's exactly right i, I mean thing other things i sort of i mean if we're talking about like regrets like i you know like i wish i'd been more self-aware to like explore more options outside of just doing the default postdoc and just <laughs> saying yes. yes to like the first thing i was offered yeah um, it, yeah, and like, you know, like, I wish I, you know, taken the time to actually, because, you know, you know, the other thing I sort of regret about doing, during my PhD anyway, was just, you know, like, I, I mean, you know, I focused on just doing the work, like, all, yeah, I did and that, that was it. Yes. That's something that, that's so true, and I think that the problem is because you uh, are exposed to so many things, and you have to take so many decisions then you just focus on the day and mm -hmm. on your experiment or, or like in the near future you know like the experiments yes. that you're going to do this week or the conference that mm -hmm. you're going to do next month the abstract and the poster that you need to prepare and your prelims or something like that and that is my and that is my biggest regret is that I think that, and reg my biggest regret and advice that I will give to PhD students is don't think just on your immediate future. Think about what you're going to do next uh, in like three, five years. Because if you want to go tenure track, you need to see where you're going to publish, how you're going to publish, all the things that you need to get into your CV, like uh, funding, apply for grants, and try 
teaching, experience, all of the things. If you want to go outside academia, then you need to develop, start developing the skills and try exploring other. But this is something that it cannot be done in like a week, a month, mm -hmm. two months. This takes time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like for me, I was really focused on graduating. So like I'm making it to graduation. So like everything I did was like it wasn't so much focused on the like immediate future like it was focused on graduating like it was will this thing that i am doing get me closer to graduation right <laughs> and if the answer was yes then i did it if the answer was eh, it is like it won't set me back but it won't push it forward like it won't push me forward i didn't do it and i wish i was a little i'm very goal oriented and i wish i was a little less focused in that sense <laughs> because like that was everything. So I got about six months out from when, um, like my my PI sat me down about six months or so, six eight months before I graduated, and he was just like, "So I can tell that you're getting close to graduating. Like, what are you planning on doing mm -hmm. after this? Like for a postdoc?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do something. Like do something that pays me money so I can keep eating." Mm -hmm. And he was like yeah you really need to start thinking about this now like so i didn't even think about the future past graduation until about six months six eight months before my um mm -hmm. before i graduated because i was so focused on that from day one of starting graduate school yeah i mean so like i so like i agree with you just like be a little like it's okay to have outside interests or have like outside sort of like out of academia sort of interests right exactly no i would yeah precisely and uh, yeah and like you know i mean because like yeah it takes time to find a job and like you know it's taken me a very long time as a postdoc to like figure out what's next because i still haven't done that yet um and you know it's taken me like i've been working towards it for several years now basically and you know, no matter what, the transition's coming up for me very, very soon, but, and, like, you know, I have a few leads, and I'm, you know, gaining experience and stuff, but it's, you know, like I said, like, I wish that I just, you know, spent more time, like, developing relationships and networks and things like that, right, and being more social, basically, like. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the the networking is something that, everybody should do all the time and it doesn't matter if you're on the job marketing market or not right and even if you're like first year of graduate school and not only uh, of course if you have an idea of what you want to do next you can kind of guide and try to go networking to towards that goal that mm -hmm. you want but regardless of that if you don't know you should just uh, try to network with everybody and know everybody right but and beyond your phd student cohort like you know what i mean yes. like i mean it's fine to go out and hang out with them yes. too but yes because like they're sort of your inbuilt group like in graduate school but yeah like like i said building those kinds of relationships outside of like, you know, it's just something that, like, you know, like, I've done a little bit better at the last few years because of Twitter and social media, but it's really important to do it, you know, as soon as possible and, like, develop yourself beyond, like, you know, your immediate academic circle. Yes. 
And that goes with what Amanda was saying about not being that focused, because if you start to do other things in parallel, mm -hmm. like, for instance, I don't know, when I was a postdoc here, I was a member of the postdoctoral association. Mm -hmm. And then with that, I will, I met a lot of other postdocs from other fields that were not like my immediate colleagues and we will organize symposiums and we will do things that will put you in touch with other people that mm -hmm. you will not know if you would just be in right. your lab. Yeah. And one of the things that I was going to say with um, being in grad school or in some places in postdocs, like there's a lot of resources that your university might have yeah. to take advantage of. So like the university I did my um, graduate school work was really good about like arranging like internships with places mm -hmm. other places on campus like with the technology transfer office was looking f would allow people to at the very least do like shadow me for a day sort of deal um that was the one that I'm most familiar with mm -hmm. um and then the when I did my postdoc at um the university there's nothing like there was like a very small office of postdoctoral affairs. The postdoc association was sort of around, but just getting starting started. Like there was nothing and you weren't eligible for anything that was offered to graduate students. So I sort of wish I had taken advantage of some of that, but you know, yeah. who knows the future. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, so this is another thing just generally speaking for me and it's still true like I still just like I feel like I don't take full advantage of things that are available to me like I, like as ridiculous as it sounds and like I mean some of this goes to like mental health things and you're not feeling worth yeah. you know taking up the resources or whatever but like you know like I was literally the person who was like oh yeah Google not really for me because I don't know why you know what I mean like it's not for you not, yeah, and for like, no other reason than it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I just am not, I mean, again, like, when I search things on the internet, sure, but, and, like, I take full advantage of it now, of course, like, I do it all the time, but, but it's like, just that at, years ago, like, I spent years saying, like, oh, yeah, I just, I don't Google things as very much because I don't want to rely on it for some reason, or, like, it's just not a tool oh. that's appropriate for me for some reason like it's the you know it's the it's the thing like the public radio people always say when they're asking for pledges like you know like you're the public and public radio like this is for you like you have to support this right this is your job to do this like you know like i had the similar thing with google it's like oh this is for everybody to use right this is like a you know service yeah. that everybody gets like i mean that the google is a trivial example and one that i got over pretty quickly but like <laughs> You know, it's just like, yeah, I was like, this I person who was like... I was able to do my PhD because of Google. Like, I would run into, <laughs> like, I ran into so much problems with yeast where I was just like, yeast in my experiments. I was mm -hmm. using them as a model organism. But I was like, what is going on? Google, tell me. Right, <laughs> exactly. I a paper that would enlighten me. Right, so, like, it was not that I didn't have ways to search for, through literature and stuff. I did. It's just, like, you know, like, but there was, like, there was just software things. I was just like... Oh yeah, like other cooler people who are more worthy use these software uh, yeah. things. Like you know, like it just never like 
occurs to me like to say never occurred to me to say like oh yeah i could use that too right for a long time it was just this way of like oh yeah you know things that other people use aren't for me because i'm not worthy of them like and again like some of this plays into like mental health things but yeah that makes sense and it just like and like other just long-standing things of not wanting to be a bother not interrupting and not you know being a people pleaser and just you know like trying to be like yes i want to be like I want to be there, but have a light footprint, like all this stuff, right? That I wish I'd just been a lot different about, and still wish I am different about, because like I still have this tendency today, right? It's just sort of the like you know inbuilt in me to not be the most aggressive human on the planet, right? I'm not. Yeah, I do have that issue where I'm not very assertive about things. Right. I mean, you know, it's like yeah, you know, if somebody asks me to do something, yes, I'll usually say yes like you know i'm open to that but like i'm not i'm rarely the person who approaches people to like be like oh we have to do this together and like you know what i mean i'm not like i'm not like that i just and i've never have been and like and it, it extends to things like you know it's like oh yeah resources that i could could have taken advantage of and probably made good use of um and like yes. i wish i had so resources are for you you should use them you are the you and university Yes, exactly. Yes. Or, I mean, you know, like, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, no, th- exactly. It's just, it's this, yeah. It's not rational. Yeah, when I go right? back and do a lot of these, like, and, uh, you know, again, like, I'm trying to make up for lost time now, but, like, that makes right. almost no sense. Like, I've been, you know, like, I mean, sort of, like, I mean, just, like, use, like, another sort of example where, like, you know, like, people who I sort of wish I was more like in right. some ways, like, you know, like, um, if you think about, like, Homer Simpson, now, I mean, he just sort of does stuff, right? And just mm-hmm. thinks not a lick about it. And it's just like, yeah. that's awesome, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's something to be, I, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? And, like, as much as we're saying, like, yeah, we are go-getters and we do things, but we think things through and, like, but, like, you know, it's just, there are times when it's just like, yeah, you just have to do stuff. And yeah. instead of think about it and, well, I thought about a lot of things and ruminated and, it's largely a waste of time doing that rather than just, you know, doing stuff. That's very true. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, on a certain way, you also have to learn how to stop. And I was listening to... Well, well sure. Uh, it was a while ago. There was a TED um, podcast, and it was about the secret of happiness. So there were like several, mm-hmm. the, the TED radio podcast. They right, the TED radio hour. Several different talks together. So by the end of that podcast, there was this, of course, there is no secret of happiness because if there was, it, everybody would know of it, you know? Right. It would not be a secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the end, there was this, um, I think it was a, a, I don't remember if it was a priest or a monk some some sort of religious talk person was giving the talk and and he was saying that in the world that we live nowadays we just move from one task to the other and we just go with the flow and we just don't he like the secret of happiness is just like a child you you teach a child how to cross the street that you need to stop, look one way, look the other, and then mm-hmm. 
act and cross. Oh, that is so good. And that was his point that nowadays we don't take the time to stop and look at both sides right. before acting. So I think that this is important as well because if you just live and you just do it without thinking, that's kind of like it seems that we're always, like you say, oh, I'm still trying to make it up from the lost time. Mm -hmm. And it seems that if we don't stop and think about what we want, what are our goals, we will always be one step ahead and then, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I so, mean? I mean, I should be clear and just say, like, it's the unhealthy thing is, you know, like the ruminating over things over and over and over again. It's not the focused, productive kind of, like, you know, like, yeah, because, like, we all need time to detach and think about things mm -hmm. and think things through and, you know, like, sort of plan. And, like, what I'm saying is, I mean, I guess... What I, what I, I guess the better way to put it, like, the reason to admire Homer Simpson is because he will start a lot of things, right? Like, there's the Mark Twain quote that is, like, the hardest part of any project is starting or something. I, I forget exactly what the quote is. I but. think it's, like, it's the hardest part of any journey or the diff most difficult part of any journey is taking the first step, something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. It, yeah, anyway, it's, we can put it in the show notes, maybe. Look up that Mark Twain quote. Mm -hmm. I'll write it down. Um, and... Yeah, so, but anyway, so, like, I mean, I think that's the thing, where it's just getting started on this learning, you know, like, hey, learning how to code, learning technique XYZ, learning, like, getting started on these things yes. and not, right, not hesitating to do that stuff, right, to get started in digging into those things. Like, of course, you take downtime to think and process and be mindful and all of that, but that's different than... You know, I guess, like, it's chronic procrastination. I don't know what to call it. Like, it's, you know, anxiety. It's the, it's, it's the ruminating. It's going over and right. over again. Like, you don't have any new information. You've taken time. You've done right, the exactly. decision. And then you just keep going over and over it again. Right. And sometimes you just have to, like, you know, make the decision to, like, put mm -hmm. stuff out in the world, right? And, like, right. try and, you know, like, I mean, because, like, we learn really, like, honestly, we learn through, like, failing 10,000 times first. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, and, like, you know, with, like, things, like, I, I think sort of a problem in today's world is just this fear of failing because sometimes, like, there are a lot of expensive things at stake whenever you're doing, like, an RNA-seq experiment that's quite expensive now. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't screw this up, right? You know, like, I mean, there's this, you know, these massive stakes in some experiments now that just boggle the mind that you can't, you know, redo um, because they're expensive. And so I think, right, so I think, but I, at the same time, like, I still think the principle stands of, like, you know, you have to just try things and see what doesn't work and figure out how it fails in that interesting way. Yes. Right. You know, it's it's figuring out what does and doesn't work. And like, you know, like it's like some of the best stories out of my Ph.D. time are, you know, just are taking the time. Like, I mean, starting the process and growing all these plants and like finding the mutation that actually was viable for the next generation. Like I'm being vague about these details. Like I can tell the whole story, but I won't because we don't have time. But um, and it's not, and, and they don't really matter. But like you know, but it was just this whole story of finding the plant that would survive the next generation and figuring out that oh, it was a heterozygote for the mutation, and that it was linked to this other thing that was actually causing the problematic thing in its siblings and. 
cool. We, you know, we found our plant. And, like, it was just the story of sort of just being observant and persistent and, um, you know, just... And, and, like, you know, like, if we hadn't gotten started or just, like, really, you know, been careful about, like, you know, taking steps to, like, oh, yeah, we're going to figure this out, you know, like... And, like, you know, we made mistakes along the way. Like, it's not like we didn't right. screw up some things. Like, we tried a lot of different stuff that didn't work. Like, oh, at first yeah. we tried to rescue the, you know, at first we tried to, like, force the, you know, these homozygous plants for this lethal mutation to flower. And that didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you this time about this protein that I tried to express that um, was totally mm-hmm. miscoded and it wasn't going to work. No matter how much I, how much you try, you cannot get a you cannot get a coding sequence if you don't have a start code on. Just FYI. yeah, that's yeah. Generally, that is probably accurate. Totally I, required. You need to have something to tell the polymerase, like they're in a polymerase. Hey, you need to translate here. Like right, ATG. You mean yeah. ribosome, right? Yeah, yeah, ribosome. Yeah, sorry, cannot talk. Sorry, to, I'm. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry to be pedantic. I just we want no, to be a technically no, totally, accurate podcast. I may have been, you know. Boy, see, see, we can tell who the recovering academics are in this in this podcast. Um, yeah, we can tell yeah. that. The, uh, but right. So anyway, but like, I think that's you know the biggest regret I have is just you know, like trying to get into that. I, I mean, I don't want to say it's a correct mindset, but it's the. You know, mindset. it's it's the growth mindset. Exactly, that's exactly right. Like, I wish I had. Like, I wish I could had forced that as a, and developed that as a real habit because it's harder to do the longer you wait to do it i think so the sooner you can adopt a growth mindset the better about especially when learning your phd like you know like there are times when you need to adopt a fixed mindset to like perform or whatever but you know when you're actually trying to learn things and you're a trainee like that is the time to have a growth mindset no question about it and especially if you're doing like science i think that you have to like the ideally, what I would like to have done is to uh, be able to focus on my on the micro environment, like on the immediate, like lab and experiments and whatever was needed to do my PhD, but with also this idea of where it stands on the macro yes. you know on 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 the bigger scale mm-hmm. and i think that that's it's kind of easy whenever you have so many things to do to get mm-hmm. trapped on your micro world and you don't you lose touch with what it's next yeah and on the bigger picture and that's kind of something i don't know if if it's something with age as well if like if something that the older that you get, the easier it gets. It seems to me that now I think more of the of the bigger picture than I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago. But yeah. maybe that's something that you can try to be aware and try to be better yeah, off. That could also be experience too, like you've done this and now you know like like you, you did the PhD, you saw what it was like to be on the micro level, and now you're like, oh, I need to kind of expand things out on the macro level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and have a broader perspective. Yeah, I mean, again, like another example of just getting started with things, like, you know, like starting science writing, like it took me forever to like put up my blog and start doing that just because I wanted to do it and figure out a way to make that work for me. Like, you know, and again, like it's still not a career, but it's 
you know, like I'm moving in that direction. Like, you know, like I, yeah, I've managed to guest write, you know, quite a bit last year, actually. And, yeah. you know, more to come this year so far. So it's, uh, like I said, like, you know, so like, I mean, these things like, you know, just like if you're, they're in you and you like really want to do them. And, you know, like at some level, I think I've always wanted to do that. Like, just get started doing it. Like, don't, like, you know what I mean? I just don't, don't wait. wait for something. Right, exactly. Like, I yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Amanda. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's something that's a really good point to make. Like, you don't, there's nothing to wait for. Like, there's nothing to stop. Mm-hmm. So even if you're doing a postdoc now and you're thinking about transitioning, like, there's no reason to wait to start something. Like, if you're thinking about transitioning, mm-hmm. like, do something. Like, yes. DM somebody on Twitter or at them at Twitter or something super low stakes or right. send out an email because the worst thing that happens is nobody responds. Like, right. Or, you know, come talk to us. Like, we can. Yeah. Come talk to we're us. Happy like, to, like, tweet us. Like, at us. We're mm-hmm. always happy to talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I'm, yeah. So I found like just you know sort of like a you know if you want to like you know the in the moment mindset of just sort of like getting started because time is precious and all of that like I found a show like I think there's only one season on CBS on Netflix that's on Netflix now called No Tomorrow and it's about this you know I mean it's a it's a comedy so it's not overly <laughs> serious but that like title? I like comedy <laughs> well okay so I, I mean so it's a drama and a comedy but like it's more a comedy than not anyway it's about an asteroid that's gonna hit the right it's about yeah this guy who thinks an asteroid is gonna hit the earth in eight months and so and he starts dating the you know one of the central characters you know who's sort of skeptical but you know like I, I, they play with this idea of like is this asteroid coming or not and you okay. know basically it's, it's gonna end in six months and like they sort of you know, play with the idea of like, okay, live your life now and do all these, scratch all these things off your list. And it's got, it, I mean, you know, again, I think it only made it one season and that season's on Netflix. But like, it sort of brings That's home kind the point of, like of. that movie, Melancholia, right? For Lance Vaudrier. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch that. That seemed really depressing. Yeah. But, uh, I love that movie, but I, I love. But yes, drumming. similar. It, it's it's a drama and it was also about an asteroid that is going to hit the earth so but that's a movie not a tv series right i mean this is like yeah yeah this is a well-told yeah this is like a well-trodden genre for sure i just this is the example i have and like anyway this shows like it treats it in a light way so it's not as you know a down it's not as much of a downer as you might think because like you know they always play with the idea that like you know this guy is just might be a nutter and you might be wrong right like, just, like, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, they're still, he's still living his life that way, as if it's, you know, like, yep, in six months, the world's going to end, basically. Um, and basically, you know, he starts doing, like, yeah, whatever the hell I want, basically. Like, here's, you know, I'm going to get started in all the things that I want to do before this all happens. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that's sort of that, like, you know, it's not quite this dramatic mindset you have to do, but, like, you know, just acknowledge that, yeah, you're, graduate school time is precious and you know try to make the most of it you know what i mean don't spend it like you know ruminating and don't always be spending it in the lab and don't you know get away from the bench don't worry too much. yeah try not to worry That's too the much other thing is that is that like as much as i didn't do that stuff then mm-hmm. like i'm i i know that ian's still working but like I've made it to pretty, like, I've made it to the other side for the past seven, eight months, Mm -hmm. and 
it's working out so far. So kind of like the idea of like even if you these even if you don't explore these things or even if you are too focused in graduate school or you don't have that growth mindset like it's still going to be like it's still going to be okay like you'll still be able to figure it out and that's part of what a phd did give me is that generally like if avenue a didn't work then i tried avenue b or c or all the way down to z oh right. are we coming back to that analogy what does work <laughs> you know, like we're very fond of alphabets here and recovering academics yes. I, I forget am... how i need to be very careful about alphabets around here um yeah. letters and words matter the uh right no I, I think that's exactly right like i think that's perfect yeah no, I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I mean, and I hope it's going to work out for me too, even though I haven't figured anything out completely yet. It's, it's you know, real, it's just real. these like... It's standing there. It's getting there though. Right, I think a big thing that we get training in is a little bit in science is just handling uncertainty better than most maybe because it's just what we exist in in a lot of ways. So... Yeah, so I think that is a good place to kind of wrap up um, this week's episode. Yep. So I want to say thank you all for listening to us and we hope that you have a next, a good next couple of weeks and we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the recovering academic podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a creative commons license. You can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net, where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore BMS. And I'm at IH Street. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower. <laughs>